All right. This is a mid, a middle of the week podcast. As you can see, the consistency is increasing. This is almost unprecedented. It has been less than a week. It has been less than a week. You know, for a while there, I was even making just one episode a month. And now here we are. Here we are. And things have changed. What's different? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Storytime with Dave. I'm your host, Dave. First of all, man, I got to tell you, like, you don't have to get a whole podcast rig. I don't know. uh, You know, everyone's got a podcast now. So maybe you want one, too, that no one will listen to. Well, if you want to have a podcast that no one will listen to, you don't need this isn't an ad. You don't need to get a, you know, like a whole thing. Also, it can just be audio. Like, everyone thinks you need to have video, too. You don't. Uh, I just got this, you know, I don't know what it is. What's it called? It's a Sony. I'm looking at it. You can't deny that this is good audio quality. And you know what? I spent like 200 bucks on this thing. And this is it. It's got a USB port. All I do is speak into it. It records, I plug it onto my computer and I upload it and that's it. That's the whole thing. It's very easy. People think you gotta, I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, if the quality, I don't know, like people get their microphones and then they plug into like these, they got a whole big thing and they, you don't have to do that. I just wanted to tell you that because I was thinking about that. I was like, it's so easy the way that I do it. And the quality is just fine. I'd say I'd, I'd say it's arguably better. I mean, I, I don't think you could even contest that. This is good audio quality. What you're hearing right now is good audio quality. <clears throat> I mean, so what's changed? Well, I'm sober. Okay? You wouldn't believe what life is like being sober. Especially after you drink so much and do so much cocaine. Everything's different. You don't have hangovers anymore. I don't know if you noticed that. When you're not drinking, you don't get hangovers. You don't dread. Dude, I wake up in the morning and it's like fine. It's the coolest thing. I didn't even know that was a thing that people experienced. You wake up in the morning and you're like, this is fine. Your alarm goes off. You no longer dread the sound of your alarm. In fact, you kind of welcome it because you're like, here's another day to better myself. Wow. Here's another day. To go and 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 just take on life. Fuck. You know? God damn it. That's what I say. In a good way. It just, you get worked up. You're like, what the fuck am I going to do today? Anything, man. Anything. Well, I'm going to work. And then whatever I want. Work is easier. You just think more clearly. You don't pass out, though. So if you've got demons, they'll creep up. That's what a lot of people do in order to avoid the voice in their head. They just drink it away. So you might have to address that. I mean, you know, I can't really relate. I think that voice is, ah, it probably gets more annoying because it's, it's got a point. If you're fucking yourself up all the time. Here's what I mean. I used to come home. 
I had, I would have drank a lot, and uh, and then I could just go lay down in bed, and I was out like a light. And next thing I know, it's the morning, and I hate it. But now, when I go to bed, I I have to lay there, and I don't fall asleep immediately. In fact, sometimes it takes like an hour or two to fall asleep. But I don't mind that because that's my brain like, I don't know, it, it's, it's in like hyper overdrive at night. So I, I welcome it. I welcome the uh, tossing and turning before sleep because then I just think of stuff like jokes and things like that. But if you've got, uh, you know, like a really, if you have no control over the voice in your head, I think that most people have like, I don't know, how many voices do you have? I've got like mostly two and sometimes three. I've kind of described it as such before. I don't know if this is entirely accurate. And I guess this is like some, I don't know, you know, psychologists talk about this. It's like the ego and the id and the self. I don't know what those are. I just know Freud. I think that's like a Freud thing. I don't know. I don't know if Freud is like, was a good guy or like a New World Order guy either. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to tell with a lot of people. You really got to dig. And then you're like, ah, fuck. It's one of them. That's where I'm starting to think about. Uh, I still love Stephen King. He's my exception. I think Stephen King might be a uh, on the dark side. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. I think he might be, though. I think he might have made a deal with the devil. I'm not sure. I should probably elaborate more on what I'm trying to describe, but there will be plenty of time to get into that. Today, I want to talk about a few things. I just want to talk about one thing, really. We're going to talk about Israel and Palestine. We're going to do it. But hang on. We'll get to that. Anyway, sometimes I view it like this. You've got, right, I don't know which is which. That's the thing. Ego, id, self. I don't know if Freud was a horrible scumbag or if he was an all right guy. I don't know. But, uh, the okay, so you've got, let's just say you got, this is how I describe it. It's like a courtroom. And you have the prosecution, which is the voice that speaks ill of me. The voice that that tries to get under my skin. You know what I mean? The voice that tells you that you're a failure. The voice that says, aren't you embarrassed about that thing? The voice that really just tries to get at you. And you don't even, you're like, are you, are you with me or against me? You're like, you reside within my mind. Why would you possibly be against me? And yet there the voice is. That's the prosecution. And then you have the defense, which is like, you know, kind of uh, can take different forms. But also I think about it like, okay, well, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> I think about it different ways. I think about it different ways. I think about it different ways. There's different ways I think about it. Sometimes, sometimes it's the, it feels like the prosecution and the defense. And the defense is like me kind of like trying to combat the voice. And then the judge is like the ultimate me, the me that actually does things. That's like when you, that is your actions. And uh, so that's like the judge. So you're going to have the defense saying this and that. And then the, 
the pros- so you got the prosecution saying this and that, and the defense lays out their case, and then the judge is like me, like what do I actually do? How do I actually process that information? This argument, perhaps we'll we'll come to an agreement. Perhaps there will be a negotiation, something of that nature. So um, the problem with continuously abusing your body with drugs and alcohol is that the prosecution has a good case then. That's the problem. So the mean voice in your head, the voice that tells you you're a piece of shit, actually is right. That's the problem. When you have more control over your life and your addictions, whatever they may be, then you have more control over that voice. Or you can just tell that voice to eat a dick. Because, for example, I haven't... It's been I've been sober for like three and a half weeks now, right? Which isn't much. I'm not trying to say it is. But it, it's really great. It feels good. And so when the voice in my head tries to go like, you're a piece of shit. What are you really? I'm like, uh, the defense has an easy case. The defense is like, your honor, uh, Dave's crushing it right now. He's being consistent with this podcast. There you go. Here I am. He's going and doing comedy all the time. He's writing. He's reading. He's getting up early. He's going to the gym. Defense has an excellent case. And the judge goes, okay, court rules in favor of the defense. Prosecution can eat dicks. That's The judge has an easy decision to make. The judge is me. And it's like, am I going to wallow in this uh, self-pitiful state? I know I said pitiful. It's supposed to be pitiful, right? Pitiful just doesn't sound so good. Will I wallow and feel bad for myself? No, because the judge rules in favor of the defense and the defense says, no, just keep doing what you're doing. It's going well. Continue to be sober. Continue to take a better care of your health. Continue to write, continue to read, continue to do comedy. Continue to do things that you enjoy. Hang out with your friends. You can give yourself breaks. That's the other thing. So if the prosecution says, your honor... But your honor, Dave is still smoking cigarettes, your honor. That's horrible for your health. And the defense says, that's a valid point. But uh, defense argues that, to be honest, your honor, the fact that he knocked out booze and cocaine, I feel like let's just take things one step at a time here. We don't need to, we don't need to do it all at once. And then the, the judge goes, all right. Defense has a pretty, I like the defense right now, you know, defense. Okay. He can smoke some cigarettes. That's fine. We'll deal with that later. That's what the judge is like. This is a mistrial. The judge is like, this is a mistrial. If you'd like to file for an appeal prosecution, you may file for an appeal. And we'll take this case up in maybe a few months time, but let's see where things stand in a few months, you know? So I don't know. That's kind of the way I view it sometimes. But also, like, you have to train that voice, the prosecution, the prosecutorial voice. Is that a word? Hold on, sip of water. Always got to have my trusty water. You got to train it like it's a dog. Or you got to bargain with it. But that's the thing. Like, you have to put yourself into a position where you have more control 
over the overall situation. And then you, you'll just have, uh, you'll just be able to sun that voice. Everyone's got it. And, uh, you know, that's why a lot of people get so much anxiety and stuff. It's not from other people. It's just from their own brain. It's from their, it's because they have a very powerful prosecution with a good case. You got to make the defense have a good case. And if the defense has a good case, they'll do the work for you. The defense will do the work for you. The, the counter voice, the countermeasures in your head, there will be more of a balance and the judge will see that you've created a good defense and the judge will say, okay, prosecution, stop being an asshole. You need to shut the fuck up for a while. And it really works. I think that's a decent analogy. Okay, that was another sip of water. I should have warned you. So we're continuing here. Um, you know, uh, I am doing a lot of comedy then. And sometimes, I don't know. Okay, you gotta, it's good though, but it's good. But it's good, but you gotta, okay, we get it. You got a, you got a loud car. I hate people like that. I don't know if you guys heard that. Did you hear that? Someone drove by. I'm alone in my apartment right now. That's why I felt like I should take advantage of the situation and just do a little something, something here. I want to talk about Israel, Palestine, but I know there were a couple other things I wanted to get to real quick before I talk about that, because I don't know if there's that much to say. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot to say. I don't know that much about it. I just know Israel is wrong. And I was going to, um, I realized that I was going to, someone brought this to my attention, that I was going to offer a light apology to the Jews. And I think I remember. Um, I think I remember why I was going to offer an apology to the Jews. Because like most Jews don't really even know what's good. You know, when you when it comes to the evil Jews at the top of the food chain, um, and there are, there are quite a few, but there's, there's probably more Christians to be honest with you, but that's the point. None of these people are religious. These people are not religious. They do not behave in a way that would lead one to believe that they actually think that there is a God. They don't carry themselves in that way. They're, they're truly evil people. Like Anthony Fauci is not Christian. I mean, he might celebrate Christmas, but the man is not Christian. He's basically committed genocide and he continues to do so if you don't know about anthony fauci that's a rabbit hole i highly recommend you go down you just look up anthony fauci aids azt pcr tests you know look into that and see see what a great guy anthony fauci is bill gates is he christian no Christians don't test drugs on brown people. Christians would view, like a real Christian, would view another person as as equally as a as a work of God, right? Like this person is a creation of God, so I shouldn't test drugs on them. So Bill Gates is obviously not a Christian. Now, does Bill Gates celebrate Christmas? Maybe he does. It doesn't make him a Christian. You see what I mean? So when you get people like Jeffrey Epstein is Jewish, but he's not Jewish. So for me to hold the Jews accountable for the actions of these 
um, elite, uh, you know, whatever they are, pedophiles, genocidal maniacs, and philanthropists. That word should scare you. Listen, man, I feel like I got to teach you guys more about this because like I learn all about it and then I just assume that my knowledge is transitive to you and then you know about all these, you know, the Rockefellers and stuff like that. Generally speaking, philanthropy is just HR or PR. I mean, it's public relations. So someone has a bad reputation and then all of a sudden they're like, no, now we're building wells in Uganda. We're building wells in Uganda, guys. I'm not a bad guy. I build wells in Uganda. That's why I need a, that's why I have a a philanthropic organization worth a hundred billion (coughs) dollars. That really came out of nowhere. I inhaled and like some spit just kind of went down the wrong pipe. Don't you hate when that happens? Hold on, sip of water. So when you see philanthropists, just know that person's a piece of shit. They're always really rich. I mean, this obviously doesn't go for all of them. I'm going to say maybe 95%. 5% of them are probably legit. But most of the time when you see philanthropy, it's that this person has too much money. They're going to be seen as like a social pariah. They want to uphold their image. And so they act as though they're giving back. So they use 1%. It's like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation uses like 3% of their money on actual philanthropy. It's an investment firm. That's what it is. And, you know, it was like they they they've they just make more and more and more and more money. The the It's a business. It's not a charity. It's a business. Now, you know, if you think it's a charity, then you probably think Bill Gates is a good guy, you see? And then it worked. Public relations, you understand? It it's all started with uh, J.D. Rockefeller doing that, doing a thing where he would give people like uh, 10 cents. He would just going around, go around, give people a dime. I mean, this was in the very early 1900s. So that was like a lot of money. Not a lot, but it was money. And, uh, he he was hated because uh, Teddy Ro- Roosevelt's, you know, trust busting campaign to try to break up the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts and uh, the Carnegies. And I think there was a fourth family as well. And so they were really hated by Americans, especially working class and middle class Americans. So what what. Guys like J.D. Rockefeller, they essentially invented public relations, how to fix your image publicly and turn yourself from a social pariah into like a hero, basically. So you're not even going from hated to not hated. You're going from hated to loved straight up, just from one extreme to the other. So that's what these people do. So anyway, uh. A light apology. I mean, look, most of the time, this is a comedy podcast, so you can't take anything I say seriously, even if it sounds like I'm being serious. And even if I say, look, guys, I know this is a comedy podcast, but what I'm about to say is serious. That's not serious either. So fuck you then. You don't get to make the rules. You don't get to make the rules. Not on my podcast. You don't get to make the rules on my podcast. No, you don't. So if I say... If I say 
things that are um, perceived as anti-Semitic, they're not. You just don't get jokes. You don't understand my sense of humor. So why are you still listening? That begs the question. Is it because you're hate listening? I know that at least one of you is hate listening right now. Well, I've got a message for you. I am so glad that you are wasting your time like this. It really makes me happy that you're not being the person that you could be because you're too busy spending time stewing in hatred of people who don't think the same way that you do. No, it's not just that you don't think the way that I do. It's that you're blatantly anti-Semitic and homophobic. That may be true, but does it make me wrong? Perhaps. Let's talk about the Israel-Palestine conflict, okay? Notice that they call it a conflict instead of a war because a war implies that there will one day be an end to it. This will never end, okay? That's why it's a conflict. I tried to make that a joke. It didn't work. I mean, what I'm saying is I tried to do that on stage, something similar, and it didn't work. Sometimes when something doesn't work on stage, I'll just be like, whatever, I'll just do it on my podcast. What do they expect? Gold? I'm not going to do... Well, first of all, that would be a bad podcast if I just told you, like, my jokes that are actually good. That would just be a bad podcast. It's better to just tell you jokes that are bad. Didn't I used to tell you guys really, really, really bad jokes that I would look for on my phone? Maybe we'll do that at the end for fun. Like back in the old days. Did you guys ever listen to old episodes? I always tell you to listen to them and you don't. Just listen to the Yakuza Chronicles. Listen to the Yakuza Chronicles. <clears throat> I don't know that much about the Israel-Palestine conflict, but I know way more than the average person because the average American, I should say, knows literally nothing about it. See, what a lot of people don't understand is, um, you know, I mean, okay. Back in the day, there was no one better at propaganda than the British. The British were the masters of propaganda, and to a large extent, they still are. They are fantastic propagandists. They make the communists look like amateurs. They make, you know, Soviet communist propagandists look like amateurs. They Because... In Soviet Russia, no one was under the false pretense that they lived in a free and fair society. Some people still liked the society because they felt that people should be punished for going against the groupthink. But that wouldn't go then to, to that person wouldn't be thinking that it's a free society. They might think it's fair, but they wouldn't think it's free. British propaganda is so... Um, I don't know. What would be a good word for it? What do you think? It's so, it's just, it's just so good, but there's a word that I'm thinking. Uh, what is the word? It's like, oh man, now I'm just wasting time trying to think of this word. What's the word, dude? Why don't you tell me? It's really good. <laughs> Whatever, dude. I had just settled for good. It's so good. British propaganda is so good that they're able to convince the people that they actually do live in a free and fair society and that they're not being brainwashed at all. 
And that even people on the outside are like, oh, well, over in England, they're not brainwashed. Like that even people from the outside looking in. Because even if a Soviet communist or, or a, a Chinese person living under Mao, even if they can't see the blatant propaganda, at least people from the outside world can look in and say, oh my goodness, that is some serious propaganda right there. But England is so good at it that even people from the outside looking in go, oh, there's no propaganda here. At least they're a free and fair society and they don't brainwash their people. So obviously the United States, England's little brother, although now we're, we're the bigger brother, I guess, we, we learned from the best in terms of our propaganda. Sip of water. We learn from the best, and that's why a lot of Americans think that we live in a free and fair democracy with fair elections and things like that. <clears throat> and a lot of people think, oh, no, the government doesn't overstep. Not here in America, not here in the freest and greatest country in the world. It might be the best country in the world. That should be concerning to all of us around the world. If America is the best we could do, then that should be concerning to all of us. I mean, look. I like living here, but it could be better, and they make it worse constantly. And obviously, with COVID, they did more damage to this country in a year than you could possibly imagine. I mean, you know, the, the, I think that we have wreaked havoc in so many countries, and more recently in particular, it's been in the Middle East, right? Places like Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, Yemen. The people there who hate us, but really, you know, because that's, again, here, here's some really good American propaganda. They hate us for our freedom. They hate us for our freedom. That's why they hate us. They hate us for our freedom. That's why. Imagine... See, that's good propaganda. That's really good propaganda. Because you don't have to acknowledge any realities outside of that. Oh, wait a second. Yeah. I know why they hate us. For our freedom. They hate us for our freedom. Look at them over there. And they don't have freedom. That's why they hate us. For our freedom. You know? It's like we... We bomb a wedding because there's a suspected terrorist or, or there's a terrorist who's suspected to be at a wedding. So we bomb a wedding, killing 299 innocent civilians and one maybe terrorist. And, uh, you know, the, the, guy, the guy who uh, didn't go to the wedding because he had to work, his entire family is dead. So he hates America for our freedom, obviously. Under those circumstances, I mean, given his circumstances and what happened, how we murdered his family, in an, it, it's almost even worse that it's like with a drone strike. Like We don't even have the decency to look these people in the eye when we kill them. We have to do it with the drone by remote control like it's a video game to make it even less real. The fact that we are killing innocent people who are celebrating a wedding. This is something that we've done. And now the guy who didn't go to the wedding because he had to work, 
his entire family and extended family is dead because of the United States. And he hates the United States. Why? Because of our freedom, right? Now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. Now we're cooking, baby. Now we're cooking with some propaganda. Now we're cooking, son. So um, that is where we learned that from. We learned that kind of thing. Like that just is to give you an example of some really good propaganda. It's the kind of thing that people go, well, that sounds right. Yeah. Of course, that's why. And it's so obscenely wrong that it's funny. Like, it's so wrong that it's funny. Because a lot of people think that these terrorists, you know, sip of water, if that's what you want to call them, I mean, it depends. Obviously, it depends on who you're talking about. But a lot of people think, well, I guess it would be further, I guess it would be even worse if you if you actually think that, if you believe what the government tells us about 9-11. I should do a 9-11 episode, right? Did I do one of those yet? I should do a 9-11 episode, don't you think so? Oh, that is, uh, that's a wild ride, friends. So, it would be exacerbated. It would be exacerbated, that kind of propaganda, if you believe the propaganda that it's compounding propaganda. It's compounding propaganda. And uh, that's what makes it more effective. So if you believe the 9-11 propaganda, then you would even more believe that they hate us for our freedom. And that's the only reason why. We do the things we do. Because we have to. Because they hate us for our freedom. So a lot of these terrorists, and then they, they convince us that like, they try to make it seem as though they hate us as Americans, but they don't. They hate the state. They hate the American state, which a lot of us hate too, especially my listeners. None of us like the state. You know, the United States, the people who run this country, the people who run any country are the worst people that country has to offer because those people are power-hungry psychopaths. There's no way to get to that level without being a power-hungry psychopath, without selling out everything you actually believe in, your integrity, if you had any to begin with. You sell out everything, and you literally make a deal with the devil. And in this case, the devil is, you know, corporations whose only interest is shareholder interests. So that's why if, for example, I don't know, let's say something crazy happened, right? Like in Guatemala, right? Let's just say somewhere obscure, like, I don't know, like Guatemala. I don't know, somewhere in this in South America, maybe Guatemala. And maybe in Guatemala, they had a, a fair election. Maybe they saw what was going on in the United States of America. And they said, we'd like to operate like that, or at least the perceived way they operate. And they say, ah, we like this idea about electing representatives from uh, the, the citizen body, the masses. We like this idea of finding the person who we like and supporting them and having them lead us by choice. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to elect this guy. We're going to elect this fella. And uh, he, he, he thinks that it would be a good idea for our nation and for our well-being, because he's an actual representative of the people, he thinks that it would be good for us 
to nationalize because one of our big exports is fruit. <laughs> right? Here in Guatemala, did I say that right? We have a lot of fruit. So he thinks that if we nationalize the fruit industry, we can take back some power as a nation. And we can actually, we might be able to boost our economy in a very significant way and become a powerful nation on this continent. And uh, I don't know, let's say something like that happened. And then, and then because of the psychopaths who run the United States of America, who are controlled by the corporations, the corporations go to them and say, hey, listen, we've got a problem. This guy that they elected down in Guatemala, he wants to nationalize the fruit industry, but we make a lot of money on that fruit industry. That's a private industry. We're not going to allow him to nationalize that and, and, and empower his nation by doing that because that would be bad for our shareholders. Very good. And so the United States says, no problem. We've got a whole department for that. And so they dial some numbers and they talk to a few people at the CIA and the CIA say, we, are so, we were so excited for your call. We thought this was coming. We already have a plan written up of how to deal with this situation. And what do they do? They get rid of that guy that was elected by the Guatemalan people and put in their own guy. Okay? This is what psychopaths do. This kind of thing. And that is what we actually did to Guatemala. And it would be amazing if we... I mean, it would be bad enough if we only did that to Guatemala. We did that to probably... We did that to dozens of countries. Okay? You know, we did it to uh, Gaddafi. That was the most... One of the more recent ones. We did it to Gaddafi. We tried to do it to Assad with the fake chemical attacks that it doesn't look like any of those happened or those were false flags that i you, you'd have to go if you want to learn about that you got to look at the gray zone so you're talking about uh max blumenthal and his crew if you want to learn more about that i would recommend the gray zone max blumenthal and uh what the fuck is his name like andre something i forget his fucking name my bad. Sip of water. What was the point of what I was going to say? We're run by psychopaths. That's how it works. Are we going to get to... Oh, yeah. So, um, oh, I, I know what I was going to do. This is another good thing about being sober. Your brain works a little bit better. A little bit better. So I can recall the things that I was going to talk about. Now let's let's uh, let's keep this going. Let's keep this storyline going. So why why was I saying that? I was saying that the British are the best at propaganda, or they were, followed by the United States. But now probably the United States might be king of propaganda, but. You know who's in the big three? Let's just call it what it is. This is the big three of propaganda in the world. It would have to be probably the United States, China, and Israel. Yes, Israel. I said it. Yes, Israel. Okay, Israel. All right, because what they do, especially in their exploitation 
of Hamas. No one loves Hamas more than the state of Israel. Do you understand what I'm saying here? No one loves Hamas more than the state of Israel. Does that make sense? Let's expand on that. Hamas, because of the open, the, the things that they say openly about Israel and their feelings towards the Israelis, they permit the, they permit the state of Israel to get away with things and still have good PR among the nations of the world. But also, if hypothetically the state of Israel wanted to, I don't know, commit a false flag attack and blame it on Hamas, it would be very, very, very easy to do so. It would be very easy for them to do that. All right? It would be like if in the aftermath of 9-11, the United States had a few other things on their checklist that they wanted to check off, they could have done anything they wanted and just blamed it on Muslim terror. It wouldn't have really mattered if Muslims had done it or not. They could have just blamed it on that. So Israel, one of the reasons why their propaganda machine is so good is because they're one of the most advanced and sinister and um, formidable um, intelligence agencies in the world, the Mossad, which is on par basically with the CIA. And they, you know, they, they get blackmail on people. That's how they roll. That's how they operate. So <clears throat> this is very important when you talk about the Israel-Palestine conflict, because what you need to realize is that a lot of the information, because it's so dangerous in Palestine, also in the Gaza Strip, right? Also, because in order to, you can't, there's not an airport. There's not a Gaza Strip international airport. If you want to get to Gaza, I think the only options are either to go to Jordan, go through Jordan, or to go through Israel. And Israel, if you're a foreign press going to report on potential atrocities committed by the Israelis in the Gaza Strip, do you think they're going to let you go there? Do you think they're going to let you go there? No. And then if you just go as a journalist and you say, I want to cover it, they say, that's fine, but you can't go into Palestinian territory. You can stay here and we will brief you on the situation. So then what's happening? You're getting information from Israel about what's going on in the Gaza Strip. A lot of the information coming out of that conflict is heavily biased in favor of Israel. And it's hard to get an actual read on the situation. Now, there are people who are reputable journalists who are actually doing that work and providing a real picture of what's going on by getting both sides of the story. In particular, the Palestinian side, because that's the hardest side to get it seems, because of uh, the barriers to entry and things like that. Sip of water. That was two sips. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let me explain this to you. See, what happens to those journalists, even though they're credible, they get called anti-Semitic. The thing about... I don't want to say Jews, but I'm probably going to say it. Just say it, Dave. The thing about Jews is that they blame every critique 
on anti-Semitism, anything you say, it is so lazy, but it's the same thing wokes do. People do this. So if I say Barack Obama is one of the most evil presidents in modern history, people go, racist. No. No. But you think that because you're lazy and you're retarded, frankly. So in the same way, Israelis and Jews, especially Jews in high places, take advantage of how dumb you are. And they say, don't listen to that journalist. She's anti-Semitic. And you go, okay. Okay, Israel. Now you've got so many layers to this. Now take into account, I've got analogies that I've been doing kind of like, I'll do them here because I might keep these as jokes, but they're also like pretty good analogies. I'll use these two analogies that I want to explain to you. First of all, you've got evangelical Christians in the United States of America who believe that um, according to their beliefs and for the rapture to take place and for everything to align correctly, and I'm, I'm not too familiar with this, but I do know that in order for all of those things to align correctly, the Jews need to be in Israel. They need to be in the Holy Land. There need to be Jews in Jerusalem. That's part of the deal for whatever reason. I don't know. I guess it's biblical. It has to do with the Bible. But for whatever reason, something I don't understand, the Jews have to be in Israel. And so you have a bunch of evangelical Christians in the United States who are who are pro-Israel, blindly pro-Israel. They don't care what Israel does. It's not important to them. The analogy that I thought of is this. Do you remember in middle school or high school how there was the group of popular kids, right? And there was like one or maybe two people in the popular group that had no business being there. But the only reason they were in the popular group is because their parents had a mansion. They were rich. And their parents went on vacation a lot. So the popular kids kept them around so they could use the mansion when the parents were gone so they could party. So in that analogy, who's who? The evangelical Christians are the popular kids. The, the Jews in Israel are the uh, nerds that should not be in the popular group. And the mansion is Israel. So they blindly support because they want to party at the mansion. You see what I'm saying? And they don't care what the Jews do. It's it's irrelevant to them. Even though they're evangelical Christians, they're supposed to care about human beings. They don't care if Palestinians are slaughtered, like basically for fun. Some of these IDF people are, are just really, really, really... I have a book on the shelf that I got to read from a former IDF soldier who talks about the way they treated Palestinians. But they treat them like animals, and it's no different than any other ethnic cleansing. When you dehumanize people, you call them rats or cockroaches, you make them not human and it justifies your action. And who gets the heaviest dose of propaganda? Soldiers. Soldiers get the heaviest dose of propaganda because they got to pull the trigger and live with themselves. So the more evil they can make the other side feel or the more the evil they can make the other side seem, it can justify their behavior. So they can see acts of extreme atrocity and still sleep at night. Someday they'll have to reckon with that because that person, let's bring it back to the beginning. Wow, this is pretty impressive what I'm about to do. This is pretty impressive what I'm about to do. 
that person is going to have a very, 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 very strong prosecution in their brain and a very weak defense because the prosecution is going to say, didn't you watch your friend murder a family, an innocent family of Palestinians, and you stood there and you did nothing? In fact, you helped. You know, so if you think it's bad for you, imagine what it's like for those people, those IDF soldiers who would then have to deal later on in life with the fact that they killed innocent people or they have to just bury it so deep that they will just have outbursts. That's where those things like out of nowhere, like guys just out of nowhere, like commit like a murder suicide, like kill their wife and their kids and like commit suicide. But but he seemed like such a nice guy. Yeah, he seemed like a nice guy because he buried all of that. He buried it, buried it, buried it. And then one day he fucking snapped, dude. So they have a very strong prosecution and they don't even want to go to court because they don't want to face the prosecution because the prosecution is right. And the judge would probably say, you should kill yourself. That's probably what the judge would say. That's probably what they would do if they actually had to face their actions. This isn't to say that the Palestinians don't do anything back, but the idea that Israel is always defending itself no matter what is ridiculous. It's so stupid. And this is the other... Um, <clears throat> I'm biased too. So I'm pro-Palestine and I'm openly biased. So I know that someone is probably... Maybe if you're very pro, pro-Israel and you're like fuming at what I'm saying, I would understand that and that's fine. And I'm not saying I'm right about this. This is my take on it. That's why you listen to the podcast, dude. I don't know what to tell you. The other analogy that I thought of is this. One time when I was seven, I don't know if this is an exact story. It's like a paraphrase story. I'm sure this happened dozens of times. You know what it's like to have an older sibling. I have an older sister. She's four years older than me. You know her. She's been on the podcast before. Her name is Rachel. She's a fetal alcohol baby. But we care about her very much. One time, Rachel was making fun of me and making me really mad, right? I was like seven and she was probably 11. And Rachel was making me really mad. And I got so mad that I threw the remote control at her, which is like such a standard sibling move. You throw the remote at your sibling. Everyone's done that before, right? I threw the remote at my sister and then it hit her in the arm. And she got mad. She got really mad. And she was bigger than me. So what do I do? I run away to my mommy. Right? So I run upstairs to my mommy and I hide behind my mommy. And this is what I do. Listen to this. The, listen to what I do. I do the Israeli thing. And I say to my mom, Mom, Rachel threw the remote at me. You see what I did? I, I am now accusing my sister of doing what I did to her, in fact. I am accusing her of the exact crime that I committed. And now I ran upstairs to my mom and then my mom believes me and my sister's standing there. She's going, no, I didn't. He threw it at me. He threw the remote at me. I didn't do anything. I was, I was going to do something, but I didn't even do anything. I was probably going to throw the remote back at him, but he did it. And then my mom says, no, Rachel, I don't believe you. You're a fetal alcohol baby and you are punished. Go to your room. And then I stand there behind my mom and I just give a little smile. Like, gotcha, bitch. So what is the analogy? The analogy is that I am Israel. My sister is Palestine and my mom is the United States or the United Nations, whichever you prefer.
So Israel will will go in and create these. I mean, there's crazy stories like like in it, like a Palestinian family like leaves for the day. They have a house in in Gaza. They'll leave for the day. Jews will show up at their house and board up half of the house, like put literal boards down the middle. This is crazy. I was listening to a podcast and the guy was talking about this story. This is just one example. They put boards through the middle of the house, splitting the house basically in half. And they just live in half of the house. I swear, this is a real thing. And sometimes it's even worse than that. They just bulldoze the houses. You know what happened with that whole... Um, I don't know. I forget what I was going to say. But... Um, no, I remember. I just don't... I'm, ah, fuck, I don't fully remember. This guy was on Dave Smith's podcast the other day. Dave Smith's podcast. What is this part of the problem? That's a good podcast. And he had this guy on the other day talking about Israel-Palestine. You should listen to that one because it's really good. Because sometimes they just bulldoze, knock down houses. So, yeah, you know, like Hamas is going to get angry, but so are the Palestinian people. And a lot of the Palestinian people aren't going, fuck Jews. They're going, fuck Israel. That's the difference. And it's not anti-Semitism. That's the point. Not like being critical of Israel is not anti-Semitic, but they have convinced you that it is. The other thing is, you know, I was just in the car the other day with my friends and uh, I think I even said something else from the car ride, didn't I? In the last episode, I guess this was an action-packed car ride. And uh, someone mentioned, someone mentioned the, uh, um, Israel Palestine thing and it was like and and you know Hotep Jesus you follow him on Twitter he's like a great follow and he he just goes you know sometimes you just got to know when to when to offer your opinion and when not to it's like an art form for me I'm I love talking I love the sound of my own voice uh that's why I never have guests on the podcast but um I'm trying to learn how to do that. I'm getting a little better. But one of one of his, uh, so it's like my buddy and his two cousins and me. And uh, one of them said, um, oh, you know, like Hamas, they like, they, they, they don't give the people electricity. They don't give them water. They hoard it all for themselves. They don't give it to the Palestinian people. And I was like, okay. So that's what they're saying. You know, that's some of the Israeli propaganda. I mean, it's not like, you know, well, that was, I just like sat there. I was like, yeah, that's crazy, man. But it's like, you know, when people say that they fail to take into account, first of all, that's probably not true. Second of all, they, they, Israel like blockades Hamas, I mean, uh, Gaza and the West Bank. They have so much control over the region. So if they want to create shortages and then say, no, the Palestinians are starving because Hamas is hoarding everything. It's very easy for them to do it because they have so much power in that immediate vicinity, also within the region, but especially in that immediate vicinity, they have so much power. They can contort things any way they want. And that makes the propaganda that much more effective because they're really controlling the entire situation. So, and they're controlling the information coming out of that controlled situation. So, again, I don't like, 
I'll have to do more research into it from actual credible sources, not like Mossad infested sources that are just Israeli shills. Real information I'll have to look for. More of it. But it's just, it's really hard to, to trust information coming out of there because you don't know how heavily influenced it is from Israel. And you know how the relationship between Israel and the United States is. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, uh, I feel like there was more I wanted to say about it. There probably is, but I've already been at this for what? 53 minutes. I was going to make this a short episode too. I was going to make this just a short episode. A couple things. Um, couple last things about Israel. First of all, I never knew this, but basically during the establishment of Israel, sip of water. That was, that was a good one. In the initial, first of all, okay, first of all, first of all, first of all, you know, I have a grandpa Adolf or I had a grandpa Adolf. Did you guys know that? I never told you that. I don't think. I only knew him until I was like five. No one believes me when I say I had a grandpa Adolf for obvious reasons. I think uh, I think that comes from my occasional dabbling in Holocaust denial. So no one believes me, but I, I did have a grandpa Adolf. I mean, he was German Jew. Adolf was like John back then. It was like John. Is a very common name, okay? Obviously, it's not as much anymore. But Adolf, you know, and this is the thing. He was like, he was a, he was a stern man. <clears throat> I don't know much about him. I should probably ask my dad more about him. But he was a major Zionist. So I know when he hears me say these things, he rolls around in his grave. And I'm sorry, Adolf. I'm sorry, Grandpa Adolf. It's nothing against you personally. That's what you need to understand, all of you. It's not personal or anti-Semitic, or anti-Jew. It's anti-government. It's anti... If I hate the United States government, which I do, it doesn't mean I hate Americans. You know? I mean, look, if you're wearing an N95 mask outdoors and you purport to be a man, and you are polyamorous, so you let your woman have sex with other men, and you're okay with that, and you occasionally let her peg you, then it's very hard for me not to hate you, but I don't hate you. I'm just disappointed in you. But I hate the American government. I don't hate the people. And I, and it's not anti-Semitic to hate Israel. Now, obviously, you know me, I really don't like Hasidic Jews, so I can't say that I'm not anti-Semitic. It's an accurate depiction. But it doesn't mean I hate all Jews or something like that. Well, in the establishment of it, like when Israel was establishing itself, this is the last thing. They, they cleansed the population. They cleansed a lot of people, which is just insane to me. So you have this nation that was created directly as a reaction 
to a genocide. And the first thing they do is commit a genocide. And if you look at the numbers, even just of documented, because I'm sure they erased a lot of that. I'm sure that's that's pretty hard to find. Because if you want to find out the truth about Israel, when it when it like you're not gonna find that stuff on Google. All right. You're not gonna find that on Google. You're gonna find a lot of propaganda on Google. Pro- Google is propaganda central. Um so you're not gonna see a lot about the cleansings that took place. And it wasn't 6 million Palestinians that they killed, but they killed a lot, a lot. We're talking tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of Palestinians and just Arabs living in the, in the Holy land. So they did a little cleansing themselves. They said, Oh wow, this actually is kind of fun when you're on the other side of things. That's what the Israelis did. So, okay. Their hands are not clean in all of this. You can't always look at them at victims. I know that it like if something horrible happens, it doesn't justify you then doing that horrible thing just because it happened to you. You know, if you get raped, you don't get to go around raping people. So that's what that's what we're talking about here. They did hard. They've done horrible things. And if you look like, okay, maybe if you look at all of history, then then the Jews have been persecuted and they have been victimized for long, long time. But if you just look at it within the scope of Israel and within the creation, if you look at it from between 1948, when Israel was established to now, then there is no, no serious person would possibly make an argument that the Jews are the persecuted group between the Jews and the Palestinians. It's the Palestinians who are getting fucked and the Jews who are doing the fucking, okay? I mean Israel, right? I'm supposed to say Israel, not the Jews. Whatever, man. But also, this is just a fun fact. The state of Israel does not acknowledge the Armenian genocide. I also just want to let you know that. And I've been saying that on stage and it's a funny joke. And that's really all I have to say and then people just start laughing. Because when you, when you just hear that, that Israel, the official stance of Israel on the Armenian genocide is that it doesn't, it didn't happen. That is really funny. And on that note, I'll leave it there. Thank you for listening. As always, I love you and uh, take care.